0: What could only be described as blitz scaling, we ramped to 32 account executives in the APAC region in about a nine-month period. Wow! So it was very fast. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host Felix Kruger insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence.
1: Managing hypergrowth is a tough challenge as a sales leader. The same applies to the management of a global sales team. Our guest in today's episode has done it all successfully and I'm looking forward to exploring his approach in all detail. Please welcome Shorthand's VP of Sales, Adrian Hill. Adrian, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Felix. Great to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: You are quite well known in the Australian industry, but for those people that don't know you, what has been your career journey so far and what do you do now?
0: So my career started out probably a little bit differently to a lot of other people in the uh, the sales profession. I was in the military straight out of high school. So I joined the army, did a few tours overseas. And then upon leaving the military, I I realized I didn't have a lot of hard skills that I could use. So I took what skills I did have, the discipline and the hard work and those sort of softer elements that they teach you and thought I'd craft that into a sales career. So I've been in sales now for the last 15 years. I've been quite deliberate. I suppose it's probably a piece of advice I tend to give a lot of new salespeople in industry is... I've definitely been deliberate in the roles that I've taken on board and trying to develop new skills. There's no better way to develop those skills than to do them in real time. So I've taken door to door selling opportunities. I've taken commission only roles, selling photocopiers, I've taken account management roles, selling to big enterprise customers, you know, to try and build that muscle of how to have those large six plus figure conversations. And then I ended up at Go One in 2015. Uh, it was right around sort of Y-combinator stage for Go One, and you know very early stages of what was back then the uh, Aduro LMS. And then yes, yeah, so I, was, I was at Go One for just on five years, and then I was uh, approached to come across to Shorthand, uh, very similar type stage of growth. When I was at Go One, our role now, or my role now, is to help turn Shorthand into a larger organisation than it
1: is currently. Awesome. I love that journey that you describe of taking the skills that you've learned at the military and applying it to sales. I'm sure um, there's a lot transferable, especially, <laughs> I guess, from a growth mindset point of view. And close combat skills can also be helpful sometimes in negotiations.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. And it's also the resilience of cold calling. That's right. You need that resilience, especially if you're cold calling. So it's all, uh, all valuable skills.
1: That's awesome. You mentioned Go One. So for those listeners who don't know Go One, what does Go One do?
0: Yeah. So Go1 is the world's largest aggregator of online content. So they take what is traditionally a face-to-face learning modality of sitting down in a classroom and and learning different skill sets. And they have aggregated content from, I think it's about 100,000 courses, I believe. At last count, they have now aggregated from the world's largest providers into one simple platform. So they started out as an LMS and quickly pivoted to becoming a, a content player, realizing that like anything, content is king. So they quickly pivoted, and and now they're, I think, closing in on a Series D. But I'm obviously not privy to that information. But that's where I think they're at at the moment.
1: Okay, awesome. So that means, like during your stint at Go One, you were growing the sales team quite a bit. Where did you start out, and where did you end up, just to give the listeners a feel?
0: Yeah, good question. So when, when I was at Go One, I was one of the early stage employees. I think I was employee number 17 at Go One. And when I started in the sales team, there was no sales process. There was no CRM. There was little. So we set about crafting the sales process and, and building that brand awareness in market. In 2017, they closed Series A. And then on the back of Series A is when they asked me to become the head of sales at Go One. So I was the first head of sales we had a team of three account executives at that stage. And then what could only be described as blitz scaling. we ramped to 32 account executives in the APAC region in about a nine-month period. Wow. So it was very fast.
1: Did you remember everybody's names by the end of it?
0: I did remember people's names, yes. I don't know how, but I, I did manage to remember people's <laughs> names, yes.
1: Nicknames, that's the secret.
0: A lot of it was nicknames because there were a lot of duplicate names in there, so we had to have nicknames.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, how did you go about scaling the team, which obviously also taps into sales enablement and the sales enablement component of any sales leader's role? Like, how did you enable your sales team and make sure that you maintain quality within the team while scaling?
0: One of the biggest challenges with blitz scaling is bringing in the right people and making sure that you're providing a skill set that enables the team to grow. I've used the example in the past that building a sales team or a successful sales team is actually not too dissimilar to building a successful sporting team. You need people with differing backgrounds and skill sets that can come in, they can share, collaborate, use those skill sets to develop each other internally. You know, the old saying of a rising tide lifts all ships, it's very similar. If you've got people that are helping and supporting each other and they're able to objection handle without having to come to the sales leader as a, as a blocker and they can handle those objections themselves, then it shortens sales cycles dramatically and it builds confidence, which enables a shorter ramp time to get salespeople hitting target faster.
1: Mm -hmm. I like what you say about the sports team mentality. There's a famous quote, or I don't know if it's famous, but it's a quote that comes to mind that Jose Mourinho said, the famous football coach. And he said that about the players that he has in his teams, like he can't teach them how to play football, but he can teach them how to play football at this particular club. I think that's not dissimilar Good salespeople, they bring a certain skill set to the table and then utilize that skill set in that particular environment. Yeah, for sure. That's, I guess, when we talk about more senior salespeople.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's also the experience as well. It's great to have that experience that different people can lean on. And Marino wouldn't put 11 strikers on the pitch and, and hope to score because they'd get scored heavily against. So it's a very similar process.
1: That's right. When it comes to the metrics that you've actually used... To handle that growth, Journey. Obviously, you know, revenue is almost always the ultimate, but were there any metrics that you've used to measure success in growing that team and have those changed over time?
0: Yes, they have. There's stark differences between the scale that we did at go one compared to the scale that we're experiencing here at shorthand. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong, but where we are currently, it's a lot more methodical, the scaling that we're going through at the moment. It's making sure that we have the right people in place to handle the lead flow, because that's another thing, it's it's a big impact. If you've got 32 salespeople that have come on board in a nine month period, then the lead flow is disseminated very quickly and dissolved very quickly. So you've got to find leads quickly and it does put a heavy burden and reliance on the marketing team to be able to ramp as fast as, as the sales team are as well. So for us, it's shorthand, it's a lot more methodical, it's taking on board. marketing's feedback, it's ensuring our messaging is exactly the same, and all those different elements. The metrics for success at shorthand were, let's see if we can get these guys ramped as fast as we possibly can. Let's see if we can hit target. And that was the key metric for success. Unfortunately, for the first nine months, there wasn't a lot of training and support. It was really just hit the ground running and and see how many boots we could get on the ground, as an old military saying. But yeah, I've definitely learned a lot in the, the metrics bringing people on as you scale and making sure that the opportunities from the marketing team are there that enable the sales team to grow effectively.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. So from your point of view, marketing support is really crucial in kind of feeding those new capabilities with bringing on new salespeople.
0: For sure, yeah. I mean, the sales and marketing relationship, it's it's a strategic partnership internally at any organization and it's making sure that, I touched on it earlier, you're speaking the same language, We've just recently implemented an outbound strategy here at shorthand. And even in that instance, it's still making sure that we have the same language in our outbound messaging as the, the marketing team have in their messaging to market. So it is a very strategic partnership between sales and marketing and ensure that like our a lot of our sales, we're very fortunate in this sales team where we generate probably close to 80% of our revenue comes from inbound marketing or referrals or some form of inbound method so we are very fortunate that the product in essence can kind of sell itself and we are very product-led in our strategic operation but a lot of that comes from marketing so we need to make sure that we're aligned and speak in the same language
1: yeah in terms of the marketing alignment it's obviously a topic that's always hot i recently ran a poll on linkedin asking about the key issues that people suspect are the reason for lack of alignment, the bit that kind of crystallized and it's by no means you know representative in terms of the overall number of participants. But the number one mentioned reason was lack of communication. So how do you ensure that you guys communicate well enough to make this work? And what are the, kind of the starting points for a conversation between sales and marketing?
0: Especially from a sales leadership perspective, it's critically important to have that constant feedback loop. So Right now, we're hiring for a VP of marketing for shorthand. But previously, you know, in my liaison with current VP of growth, who was handling both, we would have weekly meetings, one-on-one meetings, the two of us, where we would share and be very open and honest with each other on how the lead situation was playing out. And also, I would be very open and honest on how we're progressing those deals and whether or not we're getting the right kind of leads come through into the organization. But we also have a fortnightly pipeline review as a strategic teams, which is the, the CEO, the VP of marketing, myself, and our VP of finance, just to make sure that we're all crystal clear on our pipeline and where we sit for the month and making sure that the numbers that we're, we're forecasting, both from a top of funnel marketing perspective, right through to the end of funnel, sort of close of business from sales are all aligned with the company growth projections as well in finance. So it's it's really important to have that connection.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you're pretty well aligned. (laughs) Yeah, we have to,
0: yeah. It's one of the other benefits of having a remote company because obviously I didn't mention at the top, but Shorthand is a remote company. We don't have any offices around the world. 36 staff based everywhere through EMEA, North America, and sort of the APAC region as well. So one of the benefits of that is, is being really good at communicating. You have to be strong communicators to be able to build a company like Shorthand in that sort of environment.
1: That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah, it's funny how, in some sense, the remote work environment has actually improved communication in a lot of areas. Yeah. It's broken down silos in a way. It has
0: broken down silos. On one side, it does have a small impact on people building those connections if you go for you know drinks after work on a Friday afternoon or anything like that. But there are other ways where you can actually really streamline the day-to-day workings of, a, of an organization by just focusing on that communication and and ensuring win-win scenarios for multiple departments.
1: Yeah. So starting point for the conversation between sales and marketing is often content because marketing has that capability. And oftentimes the more top of the funnel insight of user behavior, which are both things that sales can greatly benefit from. And then also by the nature of your company. So for those people that don't know shorthand, it's a tool that allows you to create super interesting, interactive articles. So considering those things and the way content is kind of part of your company DNA, how do you utilize content as part of the sales process? And what sort of role do you think it plays for your team?
0: We're very fortunate, as I said earlier, that we have some wonderful customers around the world who love shorthand. They love the product it gives them a lot of value in their day-to-day role. So it's not hard for us, or it's not hard for our marketing team to get some case studies together, to speak to some really good customers who are open, very happy to share their experiences on using the shorthand product, whether that's through G2 reviews or case studies that we can put on the website. So we're quite fortunate in that angle, which then enables us as a sales team to be really specific with our go-to-market and our conversations with those customers. So if we've got a Manchester City, as an example, who currently uses shorthand to develop their match day reports or their match day schedules that you would normally get at the field, that really helps us then have conversations with other large sporting organizations, namely uh, the Spurs, who came on a couple of days ago as well. So it enables us to really have specific and guided conversations with future customers based on the collateral and the information we have available to us. To really tailor that approach and from a sales perspective all that does is is it really helps in shortening the sales cycle increasing your deal value because you're able to build that value into the deal structure it's critically important
1: Hmm. so san antonio spurs or tottenham hot spurs tottenham okay almost better yeah yeah at the moment at least yeah
0: exactly i know we've been very fortunate with some great sporting companies that have come on board sporting teams
1: yeah, yeah, awesome. I mean, I guess an advantage that you guys have is that your product is really accessible. So it's not something ultra technical that you can't wrap your head around where you have to do a lot of translation work for people to actually understand the benefit. They look at it, they like it, and then you communicate what's going on in the background, right? But it's a more accessible sale than you would have a lot of times in technology companies, right?
0: Yes, it's been a very pleasant surprise coming to shorthand, as you said, being a lot of other different sales companies and walking into a product like this. It's designed with simplicity front of mind. It's designed so that the you know the creatives in, in an organization who have the ideas and the know-how and, and the stories that they wanna create, and more often than not, they're limited and held back by systems that require a lot of technical work to get their story to the world. So what we've done at Shorthand is remove those barriers and and given more speech and freedom to the creative people who have those stories to tell.
1: That's right. So when you look at your sales team and you obviously have a global sales team and they're all capable and as you said, have hit the ground running. But if you identify excellence in a certain area, a salesperson does something really well or a certain region does something really well, how do you capture that to make the rest of the sales team benefit from that?
0: Yeah, it's a really important aspect of any sales leadership. Sales people are, are very driven, but they also like that recognition and awareness for the rest of the team to hear how, how well they're doing. So obviously Slack for us, like most other companies around the world, I'm assuming plays an integral part in our ability to share those key wins and losses. We obviously have certain integrations set up with our CRM so that when, when a deal closes, it will ping slack and then that will put up a notification i also do quarterly mvps for the sales team so they're able to we have what's called a, an all-hands meeting at shorthand which we do every single month and that enables me to really help drive that performance Of individuals by sort of rewarding them with some public recognition and and some incentives that are are sort of sit outside of the bonus and commission structure.
1: Mm. And in terms of the learnings that you capture from those successful deals, is there any way you capture those learnings and make them part, let's say, of your onboarding program or other training activity?
0: Yes, definitely. It's not just the wins, it's the losses as well. So we've had to, again, I've got a, a very strong relationship with the product team and, and only just last month, we probably didn't have the month that we were expecting. It still exceeded expectations, but you know, it wasn't quite to the standard I was hoping for. So I sort of collated a bit of information from the sales team and passed that across to the product team, just to make sure that we're learning from some of those key objections that kept coming up a couple of times that haven't normally been coming up. But 100% from a training perspective, anything, any good videos or any good demos that are recorded will include that as part of our onboarding package. We're quite, again, blessed to have Shorthand that has a, a digital storytelling platform that we can utilize as an onboarding product as well. So we can house all that information and make it very seamless for any new salespeople to come on board, find out about the company, learn about the mission, vision, values, our customers, any key case studies, anything like that. So Training is, it's something that I hold very close to my heart. And it's critically important if you wanted to, I suppose, enable and develop your sales team to be that high performance operation that you know it can be.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm always a big fan of teams that really operate really successfully in digital sales in particular is that they have really good communication with other customer facing teams. And as you said, capture objections, capture what works, what doesn't work, and basically communicate that throughout You know, if you think about the other extreme of silos, every department kind of starts developing their own version of reality. For sure. With their own prejudices about the way customers interact with your brand and so on. And yeah, it's quite interesting what you say about capturing those kind of things to paint a picture that is as close as possible to reality.
0: Yeah. It's also important, we we have a monthly global meeting with our customer success team as well. So we get the customer success team together, the account executive team together, And that's designed again to share wins because if we know what our current customers are finding most useful in the product, so we sit down and we say, you know, what are our most successful customers utilizing the product for? If we can build that understanding as a a sales team, then we know the conversations that we need to be having or we know how we need to be navigating and guiding some of these conversations or some of these pain points that could be coming up in in people's sort of investigation of a new product. So that's also a really important element of making sure that just because their customers are on board, that you don't sort of lose touch with them. You still find out what's working well for them so that we can then replicate that in any new sales.
1: Yeah, yeah. Have you found that you've unearthed and those kind of conversations insights that give you an idea that the market has shifted in a certain way, that the way people utilize the product or see the value in your product has changed over time? Definitely,
0: 100%. Even the shorthand product has evolved over the last 12 months. And each week at the exec meeting, I present a bit of a synopsis of all the deals that have closed in the previous week. And and one of those areas that I focus on is the the use case that the, the particular customers are looking to use the product for. And I have noticed a massive shift over the last 12 months in particular on those particular use cases. So that's really important then as a VP or as a sales leader to have that open communication again with your executive to make sure that as a company, just you're heading in the right direction. You can't pivot just because a couple of customers want a certain product, but you need to be aware of the market shift and and making sure that you're staying ahead of the game.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Do you see big differences in the way sales need to be approached across regions and what sort of differences are there?
0: Yeah, massively. The APAC and EMEA regions, they share a lot of similarities in their sales methodologies and and the conversations that they're able to have with customers. The US or the North American teams are slightly different and we do need to adapt our sales processes a little bit more just to make sure that we are still reaching the same outcomes that they're trying to reach. But if you're running a global sales team, you can't have a one-size-fits-all sales methodology. You can have the framework and, and the basic foundations, but there are certain elements of the sales process that need to be altered based on regions. Otherwise, you're not hitting the right people and speaking the right language in those certain regions. That's
1: right. There's a lot of conversations I had recently around that, especially around Europe and just yesterday for the first time ever, I also spoke to somebody in South Africa and they were actually talking about the cultural and regional differences that they have to deal with. Oftentimes you have one sales team that services the entire region and yeah, it's pretty incredible how flexible some companies are in the way they formulate their value proposition and the way they go to market to actually deal with those complexities, you know, as well as I do how little regional nuance there is within Australia. Yes. Doesn't make much of a difference if you're uh, selling in Perth or in Sydney or in Brisbane. But yeah, I think the complexity really comes into play if you're servicing like a large, more regional network of clients.
0: Yeah, definitely. And obviously, if you're considering expansion into EMEA or or one of those regions, GDPR and Brexit, while they don't sound like a big deal here in Australia, over there, it's a lot of our conversations now and our commercial conversations are heavily reliant on making sure our terms or their terms, or there's some kind of compliance around privacy or data protection or anything like that. So if you are looking at launching into EMEA, I would strongly consider getting a, an EMEA specific lawyer to go over some
1: terms and make sure they are applicable just to
0: save yourself some pain towards the back end of those deals.
1: That's right. That's right. When it comes to the contracts, I guess the finish line is inside and then the lawyers come into play. They do. It's always the same. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you touched briefly early on the way you communicate with your sales team and in a way that COVID-19 has actually improved communication because there's not much of a difference if you communicate with somebody on the other side of town or somebody on the other side of the world. It's, It's kind of the same experience. How do you make sure that the communication remains effective and collaborative and your global sales team really feels like being part of the team from a cultural perspective?
0: That's a really good question especially as companies do move into that remote first environment you really have to make sure that the regions are not siloed as much as possible so for the most part we'll have as I said we'll have our global meeting between the the CSMs and the Aes each month just to continue that connection there will be other areas so we'll continue to have monthly meetings with the North American APAC Aes and CSMs so they can build that connection and then we also have a monthly EMEA catch up as well, but a lot of our staff are based in MIA. so that's why we sort of focus on that area. But it is making sure that you have a very open communication style. And the best way that I find to do that, especially as you're growing a global team, is to really empower and enable your sales team to contribute to the overall framework of the sales process. I'm a big advocate for ensuring that Each of your salespeople have obviously their KPI to hit target, but you also give them some exciting practices or processes that they can work on. What that does is it helps them feel empowered and they're actually contributing something to the company, but it also gives buy-in from the salesperson. If a salesperson or a collective sales team go through and they decide that the best way for us to manage our sales pipeline is to have four stages as opposed to five, then you let them craft that together and then it comes to you for review what that does is it, it gives them that buy-in they feel like they've contributed something worthwhile to the company yeah but now they're also going to follow it and for any sales leader, you'll know one of the biggest challenges of leading salespeople is crm maintenance or any kind of admin that's outside of the sales process so if you can get your sales team to contribute to that process and really buy in then it's, it's like a sale. Once they have bought in, then it's frowned upon if they then go against it. So yeah. that's one of the best things that I've ever sort of focused on is just making sure that I empower each individual salesperson to not just bring in their KPI target, but also work on different projects themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So now your whole sales team loves entering data into the CRM, I assume.
0: Well, they do actually because they've put down the whole process for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't speak to customers daily. They do. So they've documented everything and it's a working document and every single salesperson around the globe has contributed to this document. So because it's a working document that's been formulated by the sales team, it's their document. They buy into it. If they don't fill in the the correct fields in the CRM when a deal closes then they actually start to feel a little bit like they've let themselves down because they're not following their own principles that they've put in place
1: initially. I love that. That's a massive hack you shared right there. (laughs) Yeah. Don't tell them (laughs) if they listen. That's right. (laughs) Awesome. So that means like in terms of capturing the cells process, that's actually something done by your AEs, yeah?
0: Yep. So everything we've documented, and again, I've tasked one specific person with putting together that process but in the act of putting that process together there's there's buying and engagement from every single person and they'll add their own little piece of you know i find that if i do this in the sales process that i find that works really well so they'll add that into the sales process and and it's because it's a working document then they're all buying in and yeah and then it spits out the outcome which is hopefully increased revenue
1: awesome apart from this tip which is quite useful considering the success you had with it For anybody starting in a VP of sales role, what sort of advice would you give those people to uh, hit the ground running and to be really successful in in managing a larger sales team?
0: I suppose if you're starting in an organization that you, you know, if you're coming in as a fresh VP, you've never worked in an organization before, don't feel like you have to be the expert. You don't have to be the expert on the product or the sales process. There are people who, salespeople, who probably smashing quota every single month they've been in the company for a long time, it's okay to lean on those people and help, again, empower them to step up. And not always the best salesperson turns into be the best sales manager. But if you can try and help, I suppose, promote that collaboration and the information sharing, then that will help your entire team lift up, which will then obviously help yourself. Your role as a new VP is to come in, it's to remove barriers It's to streamline the CRM or the sales process. It's to make sure that when a salesperson turns up on a Monday morning, they don't have the barriers in front of them that are gonna limit them from hitting their targets. That's all it really is. So come in, refine the process, but leverage and utilize existing salespeople who have been there for a long time. And what I've done, I did it at shorthand and I've done it elsewhere is I come in and I find key salespeople and I'll do a Zoom call. I did a Zoom call because we're remote. I did a Zoom call and not too dissimilar to I had a bunch of questions and I would just ask those questions. And then I would film a five to seven minute segment on objection handling. And then we would go through the specific examples of how to objection handle for for that product. And then I would store that away and add that into the onboarding process. And then we'd go through and we'd talk about our target market. Who is our target market? And five to seven minute response on who our target market is, why they're our target market, and then you build a collection of, of resources that you can then add to your onboarding process and then hand out to future salespeople.
1: Yeah, sounds like sales enablement to me. <laughs> that's, that's exactly
0: what it is. You've, you've got to uh, enable your sales team and finding systems, and it's, it's kind of like you can't expect your sales team to hit target if, we well, you can't expect a builder to build a house with a hammer and a nail. It's very similar to salespeople. You need to give them all the tools that they possibly can have to be successful. So whether that's LinkedIn Sales Navigator, it's CRM, it's lead scraping or sourcing tools, whatever it is, you've got to make sure that you're empowering them and enabling them to succeed. Otherwise, you're going to be running around wondering why the team's not hitting target and chasing a tail.
1: If we talk about tools and somebody might set up a sales operation from scratch and wants to be more focused in the way they use technology, from your point of view, what's the absolute core of your tech stack in the sales team?
0: The core for any sales team is, is a CRM. That's the, the make or break element. If it's not in CRM, it doesn't exist or insert CRM name there. If it's not in the CRM, it doesn't exist. So if a deal value is not correct, if there's no close date, even if there's no, in our instance, we make sure we've got a lot of information from the accounting executive team in the opportunity. So when it is passed across to the ESMs or the CSMs, they're explicitly aware of what the customer has requested throughout the process. And we've got questions in there like, you know, what does a successful 12 months look like? How many stories will you create in the next 12 months? Just little pieces of information just to help the CSMs. CRM, LinkedIn sales navigator. I mean, LinkedIn now is such a powerful tool for business that I don't know any good sales or marketing person that's not on LinkedIn. It's such a powerful tool. and, And sales navigator for us is used by every single person in the team. For our SDR team, we have... A lead scraping tool that helps us generate lists and leads for them to go in and then we have the email automation tools that we use as well just to put those emails build the cadences and then send those out to our customers that's probably the main one something we've been trying and we've had pretty good success is we've been using loom as a video recording tool yeah that's really just to build that connection between salesperson and prospect so the sales team will come in and they'll, instead of replying via email, they'll turn on Loom, they'll record a quick two to three minute response on the questions that the prospect may have asked, and they will send those as an email. And we've had some really good success with that. It's been really well received by our target audience. I'm not saying it's going to be well received by every target audience, but it's been really well received by ours.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've used Loom myself before and I'm a fan and they're not a sponsor of this podcast or anything. so. <laughs> well, get them on. It's a very good product. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Adrian, thank you so much for joining the conversation. If people want to connect with you, learn more about your VP of sales role and maybe even about Shorthand, where can they find you online?
0: I'll share my LinkedIn tag with you after this so people can jump on. But if you have any questions, if you're new to sales or new to sales leadership, Adrian at Shorthand.com is probably the best way to find me. And if you're interested in enabling a sales team through an animated e-learning course, I'm the co-founder of Maxmo Learning. So we've put together some sales training videos designed specifically for sales professionals to help build skill sets across all the different disciplines, negotiation, all those different areas. So if you wanted some information on that, you can hit me up at adrian at maximolearning.com. I can share that information with you.
1: Adrian, awesome. Thank you so much. It's
0: been great. Thank you very much, Felix. Appreciate your time and thank you very much.
1: You've been listening to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe in your favorite podcast player. If you want to learn more about sales enablement, you'll find a growing number of articles, videos, and templates specifically for enterprise technology businesses at kruegermarketing.com learn. That's K-R-U-E-G-E-R marketing.com learn.